You're listening to This is Yoga Therapy. I'm your host, Michelle Lawrence, and I've had the opportunity to interview many of those who are making a difference at the intersections of yoga and health. And I'm here to share with you their stories and conversations. Thanks for listening. In today's episode, I interviewed Modern Ann Webster. Modern Ann is an author, meditation instructor, and licensed marriage and family therapist. She prides herself in adapting different modalities of healing to her clients' needs. Due to a lifelong experience with and knowledge of yogic technology, Modern Ann's therapeutic approach includes empowering clients with the ability of introspection so they can better connect with themselves and others. By developing the skill of self-observation, she believes an individual can understand and accept polarizing thoughts no matter their source. It is not what happens to you, she asserts. It is how you make sense of it. For over 20 years, she's helped people discover and build their self-trust with excellent results. Today, we spoke about meditation, mental health tools, and psychotherapy, and much more on the podcast. It's great to meet you and have you here today, Modern Inn. Thank you. It's great to be here. Can we start by having you share more about your background, what brought you to yoga and the work you do today? Yes. I grew up in a yogic world, and my parents are both international yoga teachers, and When I first went to graduate school, I was just a traditional therapist, and I wasn't actually even practicing yoga meditation that much other than my personal practice. And as I was moving to a new town in Napa with my small children, I really wanted to have more community. And so I was like, well, I know how to teach yoga meditation. So I started teaching yoga meditation as a side thing as I was building my practice, and I would have different themes in my classes and clients started asking me like, oh, I went to one of your classes and I really liked what you were saying. Could you talk more about that? And so it was actually my clients that asked for Mm -hmm. me to integrate more of the yogic technology and philosophy and blend it with the psychology. Very cool. And that grew until you sort of seamlessly blend them or tell us like a little bit more about that evolution. What happened is, is that I would say probably the gateway of really blending the two and integrating the two was around the concept in the yogic philosophy around how the mind really is an entity that thinks in contrasts and that the mind really thinks in right and wrong and good and bad. And the work that I've done around meditation and around how the mind functions in yogic technology and looking at how we can get lost in the mind, the monkey mind, and all of that, I started bringing that more and more into my practice and really starting to teach people were feeling stuck and teaching them how to do meditation. And I was just teaching them the kind of meditations that I do at the time, which was primarily at first kundalini meditations of chanting and breath work. And I remember just, you know, sitting there with clients and then seeing just how hurt they were feeling and stuck they were feeling. And so I said, like, this is what works for me. And people are pretty desperate. And so they started practicing different chants or different breath works with different hand postures. And they started feeling better. And I was like, okay, great. So I started teaching it more. And then I decided, you know, a few years into it to start creating 
my own recordings of music to make it really simple and easy to follow along. And then it just kind of really took off from there. Yeah, that's so cool. I got to take a look at what you've put together, at least some of the things that you're making available on your website. And there's a plethora of things there. And I'll share the link in the show notes here, just really laid out nicely and really accessible for folks to use and practice on their own. So that's like the yoga technology piece, right? And you mentioned this comes primarily from Kundalini yoga. And I know that as a psychotherapist, you also use like EMDR and internal family systems. And so I'm just kind of curious, like in a session, you've got so much in your toolbox, right? The more traditional tools, the yogic tools, all of it. And how do you know what to bring in when and at different times based on the needs of your clients? Is it your clients truly just like taking the lead? And how does that work? So some of the like the traditional psychology and the, even the traditional yogic philosophy, that is how I think. So that gets woven into everything I do, if, whether if I'm working with a client or in my personal life. So when I'm working with clients in, so first thing first is I do tend to be more of a solution focused therapist, which what that means is I really like to have goals. So when I'm working with somebody, it's not just the kind of what we think about kind of like a Freudian where you lay or sit there and just talk about your problems and the person goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, and, and that's it. Like I really, I roll up my sleeves. I'm a big note taker. I'm asking bunches of questions and within the first few sessions, we are creating a goal list for, for them. And, 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 and they're mm -hmm. part of it. The client's a part of it. And so as I get to know them, I know more about like, okay, do they want more somatic work, which is the IFS, internal family systems? Do they have mm -hmm. events in their lives that they're having a really hard time? moving past. Sometimes I'll bring in the EMDR. So I'll be educating the client when I'm working with them. And so I do tend to start with cognitive, which is around reframing, relooking at how you look at something and how you give meaning to it. I have a saying I often say to my clients, which is, and you mentioned it, it's not what happens to you, it's how you make sense of it. And so then I also big on homework. So what I might do is give them, you know, a book to read at home, or I'll ask them to go home and think about a question that came up in the session or to practice meditation, even if it's just three minutes a day. I do interweave a lot. There's a great therapist in Stanford, Dr. David Burns, who wrote the book Feeling Good and then has a new one, Feeling Great. And one thing he said in a training I took many years ago, which I really appreciated, which was that once you find what works with the client or once a client finds a tool that works for you, it works every time. And so it's like, mm -hmm. I tend to find what works, helping them find what works, and then we, we just use it. But it really is about creating change. I'll do some, I mean, there is times when you want to hold the space and the person has to just talk and process. And then there comes a point where it's like, let's, let's, let's do some work. Yeah. It's interesting because it seems like in some ways it's a lot like yoga therapy, what you've just described. However, like as yoga therapists, we are not psychotherapists or counselors in the same mental health field. 
but the approach is similar. You know, our toolbox is different. Our scope of practice is different, but we too are really goal oriented, right? And we are looking to the client to kind of help us find those goals. And we're certainly offering homework, right? From our yoga toolbox each time, you know, we meet with the client and offering them things that they can do on their own. It's a really empowering modality. And that's what I hear from you too, is this huge empowerment piece, which I think is how to be successful, right? Yeah, for sure. And I also, you know, there's a big piece around self-worth and self-esteem, And it is sometimes like if you have trauma in your life or you're feeling really stuck in your life or you're having a lot of conflict in your life, if you have low self-esteem or low self-worth, it is going to be a higher mountain to climb. And so it is about like sometimes, you know, and that's what I love about meditation is that meditation has a lot of things and I can get into the science of it and the psychology of it. And one of the things it does, primary things, is it builds a relationship with yourself and how to feel connected to yourself. You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, like all of it. Like, it's like, you know, we're multifaceted human beings and we have the wise self of who we are. We have our our wounded selves from the past or the near past. We have our adaptive self, the teenager that we developed to survive our wounds, all of these pieces when we use meditation at home, even just a few moments every day, like three minutes, five minutes, it's a way for us to tap into connecting to the self to slowly over time strengthen our self-esteem and self-worth so that we do have the ability to do this uncomfortable work, which it is uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Would you say more about the specific yogic technology pieces that you use? You mentioned chants and meditations. You mentioned kundalini uh, yoga is sort of the, the lineage that you come from. I guess what I'm getting after is our listeners are probably familiar with some of them. And I just love to hear like, what are some of the ones that you use most frequently? Is it like Kirtan Kriya? Is it like, I'd love to know what some of those are. And I know that we can find them on your websites too. The most common meditations that I end up prescribing or recommending, there's one called Gunpati, which is a chanting one and it helps with PTSD and trauma. So it's a combination of Kirtan Kriya that you just mentioned and the healing meditation. So it helps to look at the negative patterns in our thinking or our reoccurring patterns in our thinking that can get us stuck. And it creates a safe space around us as we are looking at that part. And so that's one I I often recommend. Another one that I often recommend is... There's one, it's called Inner Conflict Resolver, which is Hummy Hum Brum Hum. And I really love that one because it's really simple and short. And it helps to build trust. It helps to feel like we're not alone. Sometimes when we have trauma and pain, we can really feel alone. I was just working with a client earlier today who just broke up in a relationship. And he's feeling just really lonely and really just like, how am I going to get through this? And this is so upsetting. And so by chanting hummy hum brum hum, it's not magic. All of a sudden he's going to be in bliss and connected to everything. No, it's a tool to help us manage and move through the waves of emotion of a breakup. 
And, and it's short and sweet and just rolls right off your tongue. Hummy hum, brum hum. We are we, we are one. So that helps with that. Another one that I also like to recommend are the, there's seven meditations on my album Meditations for the Vagus Nerve, which are all different segmented breath meditations, which is like a, when you inhale, like in four counts, it sounds like this. So they're little sniffs as you inhale and each sniff slowly fills the lungs as you have a, until you have a full capacity. And then you exhale with the same number or different number of sniffs as you exhale and release the breath out. And these meditations are great because they're silent meditations that you're not chanting and yet you're still doing something. I find that with a lot of people who have anxiety, that silent meditations are not necessarily that great for people with anxiety because it can create relaxation-induced anxiety, which means it makes your anxiety worse because you're sitting in that stillness. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh my goodness, the floodgates can open and we get anxious in all different sorts of ways. When you're doing a meditation that's more active, like the segmented breath or chanting or movement, like heart opener, which is a lovely one that I also call cutting through the bullshit meditation, is these meditations allow your mind to focus on things, to focus on the movement or the breath or the chant, and it helps to actually quiet the mind down so that you can create space between the thoughts and that you can also over time, I find that chanting really helps to change the quality of thoughts that you're having. And and it's not just like a yogic thing. Like I often tell people prayer in religion is kind of like the first meditation out there. Like if you're singing hymns or if you're reading in a congregation all together the same verse, that is a form of meditation. Yeah, that is so helpful. That was a great explanation too. And it was kind of where my mind is going a little bit. I, I'd love for you to say a little bit more about this actually, because I imagine that your clients may not have any experience with Kundalini yoga. And the particular techniques, technologies that you're offering to them might seem foreign so I guess the question is, like, how do you make these meditations, these yogic tools, these chants accessible to folks who may not be familiar with yoga or kundalini yoga at all? Yeah, I would say 75% of my clients don't practice yoga or, or they've heard of it, but they don't really practice it or do meditation. And there's two things or three things. One of the things is that because I'm a psychotherapist, I'm getting people in here who are really, really stuck. And when you're really stuck and in pain, A, you're kind of open to trying almost anything because you want to get unstuck and you want to feel more joy and, and groundedness in one's life. So that's one thing that's going for me. Second is... Um, I, I think that the way I do my work and the way I teach and the way I do psychotherapy is I'm very authentic. Like what you see is what you get. I'm not putting on a persona. I'm not acting one way in my sessions, another way in my yoga class or in my teachings when I'm in, doing instructions. I'm very much who you see is who I am. And I think that that authenticity comes across. And then third, it's also the piece of starting with something simple. So I have actually a handful of clients that are Christian 
And I have found that I've done affirmation meditations or even just breath meditations. And then I had one client who stumbled, was like spending time in, on my website, and she found one of the meditations that had a really intricate mantra. And she ended up saying to me, I don't know what it is, but I found I, I really felt more calmness when I was chanting these weird words. I even giggled a few times, but I felt more calmness when I was chanting these chants than I did when I was chanting the English ones. And so I was able to explain to her that the way the mm -hmm. mind works is when we're chanting in our mother tongue, if it's English or French or Spanish or, or Mandarin, when you're chanting and saying something, repeating even an affirmation in your mother tongue, like, it could be, I'm a glorious, gracious, whole person with love and beauty. The mind might someday be like, yeah, I'm not feeling very beautiful today. Or like, well, I'm not feeling like anyone really loves me. And, and so the mind can, remember I mentioned earlier in our talk that the mind thinks in contrasts, right, wrong, good, bad, stop, go. So when we're doing our meditation and we're chanting or listening to an affirmation, even if you're just listening to those online podcasts, or excuse me, the online meditation affirmations that you listen to, our mind is really going to be working hard on, is it right or true or good or bad what I'm listening to or saying? Versus if I'm chanting, just chanting in Sanskrit, let's say the Hummy Hum Brahm Hum or Sata Nama Rama Dasa Sa Se So Hung, our mind does not know what we're saying because it's not our mother tongue. And we're able, we can always read what it means, but we're able to drop deeper into what the experience we're trying to create in that moment. The mind starts to let go because it can't decipher what you're saying. Such a great explanation and so cool. And it all really makes sense to me. And I just loved how you put it into words right there. That's excellent. So I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. I want to talk about your book and your upcoming book. So you're you're an author of a book called The Stressless Brain. Love to know more about that. And also hear a little bit about what your next book is that you're working on. I think it's coming out this year. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that too. Sure. So yes, my first book is called The Stressless Brain. It came out about four years ago and I've just currently finished and it should be out in available to the public in about a month. It's my second edition of the first book, The Stressless Brain. And that book is a book about stress and anxiety and how it's filled with wonderful loads of meditations. With The book comes with free downloads of the music and all the instructions. And it basically talks about the yogic and the science behind how meditation can help with stress and anxiety. And so I talk about that in the book. I also talk about the mental health around the different kinds of anxiety. And I also talk about some of the effects of if we don't manage our anxiety, how it can actually cause um, physical ailments and health issues in our body. And so it's a great tool. One of the reasons I started writing books is because I love learning and I love learning how to help our lives and how to improve and change and heal. And one of the things that really frustrated me with a lot of self-help books was that you read the book and you're done and you kind of, I remember for me, at least I would sit there and be like, yeah, the author really gets how I'm feeling, but I didn't always know what to actually do. And I'm a doer. Like I want to change my life. I want to evolve and grow and be able to 
create change if something isn't working. And sometimes in the, a lot of these self-help books, I kind of felt like a lot of empathy and sympathy and even telling me what I'm feeling, but a really unclear or a very small section on what to actually do. So that's really one of my main focuses on all the products that I create is I really love giving people tools. I really love to say, here's this tool or that tool that can help with this or that. And it allows us to be able to then practice and take self-initiation to create that change for ourselves. So that's my first book. And my second book is going to hopefully be out at the end of this year. And it's the process on how to deal and work through disappointments. And most of us don't know how to deal with disappointments. We don't know how to process all the different stages. And, you know, you can Google the stages of disappointment and it will tell you all the emotions that you'll be going through. And this book will really be a guided step-by-step on how to manage, how to work through, how to heal and move disappointments. I'm very excited about it. It sounds great. I think something we can all relate to. And thank you for making it so do and tool oriented, the work that you put out there in the world. I think it's so useful, especially in today's times right now. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about who you are and what you offer? Yeah. As you all know, my name is Mutter Nan, which is kind of a different name. It means sweet eyes or honey eyes. So Nan means eyes and Mutter, which is, I pronounce it Mutter. And it's actually pronounced Madur, but I, I'm American or I speak American English. And so for me, my name is Mutter Nan and my parents um, were hippies. and I grew up in the Kundalini world and that's the name I was born with. And I guess the thing that I really want to share with the listeners is this idea of, you know, life is a journey and we all have hardships and we all stumble and we all have opportunities to grow. And it is really about finding the tools that work for you and self-initiating a way to bring them into your life daily, weekly, or monthly. And that I often tell clients, like, you know, they say, oh, life's so hard and when is it going to get easy? And I said, well, we're never done learning. We're never done growing. We're never done transforming. What we want to work on is to have a little bit more space in between the shifts and the growths and the learning. And we want to move towards more of a sense of inner contentment, which is because we can't always be happy and we don't always want to be miserable. And a lot of us can ping pong between happy and miserable, happy and miserable. Everything's so amazing and everything sucks. Everything's so amazing, everything sucks. And I think that with social media and our phones that we have and the computers, that there's so much stimulation, we can basically be connected in in a way to some kind of entertainment at all times. And it really is about connecting to oneself and having that be our first relationship. And so in my journey for myself, I'm always working on growing and healing and shifting and changing. And I actually, um, when I was in college, I made up a funny sentence, which is totally incorrect, but it's funny and you'll get the point, is every day I become a little less stupider. And it's incorrect English, <laughs> but it is also this a little bit of being able to have some humor and really look at, okay, 
how am I doing today and what tools do I want to use today and how do I connect to myself and how do I make that commitment? Because only we can make that commitment. Um, one of the things that I also like to share with people is I do really practice my own practice. I meditate every single day. I do yoga almost every single day. The days I travel early, I might just get my meditation in. But I, I get up in the morning, and if I have to be somewhere at 6, then I get up at 4.30 or 5, so I have time to do my 25, 30 minutes of yoga to warm up my spine, to get the blood flow moving through my body, to stretch, and to kind of wake myself up into the frequency I want to be at that day. And then I always meditate because I figured many years ago, actually 1997, I've, I have bigger, I don't think I've missed, may have missed one or two days since 2007 that I've realized if I'm going to tell people to meditate or I'm going to suggest it and really encourage it, I have to walk my talk. And not that I'd go around telling everyone I've done this and I've done that, but I do believe it comes across in how we talk and how we act and how we inspire. Oh, it totally does. And I just love that you dove right into that because that's how we always finish our podcast for those who listen to this podcast more regularly, you know, that's always the last question around what is your personal practice and why and you you totally answered it. And that is just such a beautiful thing. And I really loved getting to know you for just a little bit here on the podcast today, Modern Nan. And thank you so much for all that you do and put out there and make available to folks to help them on their healing journeys. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me on your show. And I hope that some of the little tips and stories inspire your listeners. If you'd like to learn more about who we are and what we do, visit us at innerpeaceyogatherapy.com.